was going to say good morning, but we don't know whether it's good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> good night. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any time. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, this is Two Girls, One Book podcast. I am Hannah, and my co-host, Rhiannon, is joining me to bring you a short stories episode this week. So this is where we talk about the books that we've read separately. Um, quick five minutes on each just thoughts brief thoughts and feelings just to give you some recommendations or avoids in some cases <laughs> hopefully not this week um but yeah we just like to kind of catch up on the stuff that we've been reading yeah so i'm gonna dive in so this week we're recording this a few days after the newest jurassic park world film came out um and i have got on board and been reading I'm waving a really cool copy of The Lost World by Michael Crichton at Rhiannon so I read Jurassic Park a few weeks months ago um really loved it I was a I was a big dinosaur nerd as a kid watched the movies over and over and over again um I was a little bit nervous that the books were not going to live up to my expectations and I'm happy to say that the the Lost World also lived up to my expectations. It's also oh, good. a jolly good book. Um, it follows the story of the film, or the film follows the book quite closely. So we see all of the characters that we know and love. You won't know and love them because you've not watched it yet. <laughs> I've not watched. I have watched Jurassic Park. Yes. So since since we last recorded and talked about Jurassic Park, I have indeed watched the original mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. So I at least know that we're not go- not going back in time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a, just a slight better idea of what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so The Lost World is a few years after the, the time that we're set in um, Jurassic Park, the early early 90s so we're kind of a decade on and the there's rumors and evidence that there's a site b which was um a secret breeding facility oh so we join a few old favorites ian malcolm namely the best character um and some younger characters there's some school kids who for some reason get involved in this and end up on their way to site b um as you can guess dinosaurs and humans don't necessarily mix very well so there is scrapes to be had and um mysteries to uncover it's not really spoilery because it's 20 something years old um but obviously they all survive the dinosaurs are um contained in a certain way towards the end um but we meet a lot of the great dinosaur characters that we know and love i actually maybe enjoyed this more than the first book because there was a little more element of wildness to the dinosaurs they'd been left to their own devices on this island for a few more years and kind of created their own little ecosystem almost so it was kind of like the difference between a zoo and a safari park. Um, okay, I see. And yeah. I quite I enjoyed that. I did really like it. So yeah, I would I would recommend it 
if you're a fan of Jurassic Park, The Lost World, you won't be disappointed. Um, it's an interesting little kind of sci-fi genre, I think, because it's not robots or anything like that, no. but it's it's DNA and science and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it's a strange one. I do feel like it fits into sci-fi, but in a in a strange way. Yeah, kind of um, abstract. Yeah, I I'm definitely gonna watch uh, more. Um, I've been told that the first one is the the best one. Yes. Um, so I'll just have to persevere uh, through whatever comes next. But I do <laughs> want to. I want to know what all the fuss is about, and I really want to see the modern yeah ones um, before I go to Universal Studios in October. So yeah. it is on my list of uh, things to battle through um yeah. so yeah we s- watched um well actually i've not finished it but we were watching the mummy this week as well because oh. uh, that's another universal film that i needed to to watch before i go back yeah so i'm actually doing quite well at getting through some movies um at the moment but yeah good okay well i'm glad you enjoyed it and you've got a super pretty edition of it haven't you well, technically, it's my son Nate's Folio Society edition, but I am, okay. in inverted commas, looking after it for him on my shelves, okay. <laughs> which, which I means think. I get to look at it and he doesn't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I feel like maybe you appreciate it on the regular slightly more than him. Yeah, he's 12. He doesn't care. One day he'll yeah. care and he can have it back when he does. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, right. Well, I guess I'll leap into my first book, and that is This Lovely City by Louise Hare. I had never seen nor heard of this book until last year when Flo, our lovely friend Flo, sent me her copy of Circe and included this she gives away all of her books she's like a an an amazing little charity shop (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just giving away her books um and so this arrived uh because i wrote on her review that oh that sounds like it would be up my street and she was like yes it would be up your street have it (laughs) so um it sat on my shelf for quite a long time and i started to feel really bad about not having read it so i saw patty our other friend review it which reminded me that i must read it so i did read it um and it was good it's historical fiction um so this is kind of like my old bread and butter i've not really read much of it recently but i've got two to talk about now um, so this is p- post-war London. It's set in, um, and uh, I'll, I'll just read a little bit of it from from the back. Um, so, jazz musician Laurie Matthews has answered England's call for help. Fresh off the Empire Windrush, he's taken a tiny room in South London lodgings and fallen in love with Evie, the girl next door. So, it's uh, a st- a love story with a lot of racial tension at the heart of it. It also has a bit of a murder mystery element to it because very early on in the book, um, Laurie 
is uh, unfortunate enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when a baby's body is discovered um, in the park, uh, in like in the reeds, in the pond, in the park, um, and he becomes a person of uh, a person of interest in the inquiry, shall we say? Um, and yeah, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, finger pointing at the black community, the new the new black community that's um, being established in London at that time. It was a really really interesting read. I uh, found it to be a, a good page turner, nice and easy to read, despite the pretty heavy topics really that it's surrounding. Laurie was a very uh, likeable character, really, really nice guy. So you really, really were rooting for him the whole time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I re- really enjoyed it. It was a atmospheric read. Um, post-war isn't really an era I've read loads about as well. So that was quite interesting uh, aspect to it. Uh, I I would read more from the author. I thought it was really well written, um, a well thought out, really endearing characters, uh, and yeah, a lot of interesting points made. Um, so yeah, I would recommend it, and I'm glad that Flo forced it upon me. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that was my first historical fiction, and my next one was another long standing book on my um to to be read shelf i bought this i right at the beginning of when we started our bookstagram it was the first order that i made from waterstones online once we'd started our bookstagram because i just thought it sounded like something that i would look because it's a historical fiction mystery Right. Uh, kind of, I guess, similar sort of vibes to, to that. But that this is um, Daughters of Night by Laura Shepherd Robinson. It's a big book, which I think is why I was putting it off. Um, but it's essentially um, the story of... Well, it, the Daughters of Night refers to the prostitutes of London. So it's set in, in London again, but in 1782. And Caro Corsham is a sort of well-to-do lady who, again, it, wrong place, wrong time. She comes across a lady that she does know um, who is fatally wounded and she dies in Caro's arms. <laughs> Um, and right. so she isn't who she says she was, the the lady that dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story is basically finding out all about her backstory, why she was killed, mm-hmm. um, who else has been killed along the way. But it's, it's essentially a story about prostitutes right. in London. Um, in the 1700s it was really interesting I it took me a while to get into it because I think there's there's quite a list of characters um, and it it has uh, in the book 
um, a list of those characters. I listened to this um, because I wanted a long book for lots of journeys that I was doing. So I downloaded the audio book. I think it would have helped me if I'd have had this in front of me because I obviously have the the hard copy of the book. Um, So it did take me a little while to sort of get the thread of the book. But at about the sort of about a third of the way through I started to get the gist a little bit more of what was going on I right. felt like I was a bit bit more in it and I, after that point I was a lot more invested in it um so I I think at the beginning I was also wondering because there's a book before this which I think the central character is the husband of Caro the central character of this book Okay. So I was wondering whether there was crossover of characters. I don't know. Right. Um, but I'd be interested to read that one uh, to sort to see if if anything yeah. um, is a crossover other than him, who doesn't feature in this book, okay. but he is mentioned. Right. So, um, but yeah, there's there's quite a lot of scandal uh, involved, and yeah, it was an enjoyable enjoyable read but it was quite long yeah I hadn't heard of it at all until yeah when we were discussing about um the podcast record and I was making the little list I did a quick google and kind of read synopsis and things and was like oh that sounds like it's up my street as well I love that kind of idea um yeah 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 no it was it was good um I think again this came sort of shortly after I listened to the paper palace so everything was kind of (laughs) everything is still going to pale in comparison I just can't I can't get over it I need Um, to read it yeah you do um but I did I did enjoy it I did really enjoy it and I liked her writing and I would I would read more from her it was it's definitely the kind of book that I would have picked up 10 years ago and really enjoyed it and I'm I'm still enjoying it now I think I've just got a lot more I think I've got a lot more broader tastes now because I've tried out a few more things since uh joining bookstagram and and doing this podcast so it's not necessarily the thing that I would go to to pick up now but I did I did enjoy it for sure nice well from a, a very big book to quite a little book um my next one is called The Graveyard of Gwenna Luna. Um, it's by an author called Gunther Premig. And um, some of you may remember me talking about the first in this series, um, which was The Dreams of Gwenna Luna. This is the second one. And um, I was gifted this by the author who contacted me after they'd seen my review of the first one, asked if I wanted a copy of this. Um, I'm very pleased that they sent it to me. I actually enjoyed this one even more than the first oh, one. Okay, cool. So it's set out um, in a similar way. Um, it's six short stories, but told with a kind of narrative thread winding through them. Okay, so cool. the short stories are dreams that the main character, Gwenna, has. So we'll have a little bit of a kind of interaction with Gwenna and then she'll tell us a dream which is a standalone short story on its own um so this one with it being a sequel we're learning a little bit more about Gwenna as a character herself in those moments in between she's traveled um in search of who she is 
what her powers in inverted commas are, where she comes from, um, and she's trying to harness really what all of this means, what her dreams mean, um, what she can do with them, basically. So I think having that little deeper connection with Gwenna as a character really helped me to enjoy this one a little bit more. Um, okay. They're all little spooky stories, but not particularly like scary, gory. They're more kind of almost like folk horror stories. So they're kind okay. of, I think in my review, if I didn't write it, I definitely thought it. They reminded me of like campfire stories that you might have told at like brownies or guides if you were um, on a right. camp. Um, so yeah, it was just, it's. I mean, it's 100 and, 130 pages start to finish. It's kind of a big, almost like a graphic novel sized page. Yeah. Um, and there's really interesting artwork. I'm just going to flick through and see. So the titles of the short stories themselves, there's The Thing in the Box... The Troubled Room, um, Those Who Speak to the Dead. They're just those kind of fun campfire ghost stories that help her learn a little bit more as well. And, um, yeah, I think I raved about it the first the, when I read the first one. This idea of having a short story collection but framed in a different way. Which yeah. was it that we... Was it Paradise Block by Alice yes. Ash? Yeah. Where there was a connection between all of the short stories. Yeah. I'm really, really into that. I really enjoy it. And and the idea of... I've been in a bit of a reading slump and not being able to kind of pick stuff up and really focus on it. Short stories have absolutely saved my life with that to just really yeah. quickly be able to start, finish, put it to one side and go, that's done. Um, I I have... I don't know why people haven't raved about it more well, I haven't seen it at all it is a cool looking little book as well yeah it's I think Death Alex working. got me the first one for Christmas and I think it yeah. was one that I'd seen on maybe on like a Facebook advert or something and I went oh that looks really interesting I just wanted it on the shelf more than anything and actually was really surprised that it's at this really sweet little treat of folky campfire spooks nice nice Cool, right. Well, I've got a few to talk about in a row now. Um, mm -hmm. So, because I, like Hannah, I keep saying that I'm in a reading slump. I'm really not, because I keep powering through quite a lot of books. <laughs> but there's a reason for it. Like, I've been choosing the books that I've been reading carefully. I've been interspersing, like, the, the chunky reads, like Daughters of Night that I've just talked about, with a lot more easy reading, because that's the only way I think I've been able to digest anything um so the the next three that i'm going to talk about are by uh bookstagram heavy hitter authors um yeah. so i'm gonna talk about one by taylor jenkins reed one by colleen hoover and one by emily henry basically all these books you will see plastered all over the internet all the time um, so I was heavily influenced into buying all of these. <laughs> so I'll start off with the Taylor Jenkins Reid one, which is one of her older books, actually. So we all know that um, we've read and loved a number of her slightly more recent ones. But this one was 2015, I think, maybe it was first published. Yeah, 2015. 
Um, but they've all been uh, released recently with like new jazzy covers, yeah. um, which uh, which I had fun doing a little recreative moment. Uh, so this one's maybe in another life, and this is a sliding doors concept, parallel universes. What if this one thing hadn't have happened? Yeah. What would what would my life be like now? Um, Hannah is our protagonist. Oh. Uh, she's a very cracking name. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she's a really likable protagonist. 29 years old, has been a bit of a, a, a little bit aimless, hasn't really settled down, doesn't really know what she's doing with her life. Moves back to LA, which is where she's from. Um, and then these two parallel lives for her um begin with her coming back to LA uh and the each chapter is a a different I don't want to say timeline but a different path uh, and we chop chop and change between the two so we're following like the same timeline but yet those two separate paths and it was great I really really enjoyed it whizzed through it I loved all of the different relationships. Like, I just think Taylor Jenkins Reid just knows how to write a bloody good book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, she she writes real and likeable characters who make mistakes. Uh, it, it felt like both avenues, that ba- both paths she went down were completely plausible. There was nothing ridiculous about it. Um, I really enjoyed it. That's all I can say on the matter. I would highly recommend reading it if you've not. Um, and I'm definitely going to read, like, there's a couple more that I've got in. So I've got to read Forever Interrupted, After I Do, and One True Love. So those are the other three earlier ones that I've not read. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely going to because I really, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. It's quite interesting reading the ones that aren't in the same, like, world that she's inhabited since doing uh evelyn hugo yeah because i think that started off her off on a slightly different trajectory as an author hasn't it okay yeah um whereas these ones are more like normal uh as far as i can tell yeah um more of a, a normal story um, but a really good one, so yeah. yeah. I want to read her older books. I think it's one of those, if I see it on a shelf in a shop, I'll pick it up. I've kind of... Yeah. She's... I wouldn't hesitate to pick up a book that she's written because I know it's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Is it... Because even that little uh, evidence of the affair, that little 80-page book, the short story that I I read that was just on offer on the Kindle... Um, that was brilliant as well. So that that kind of made me buy that get that yeah. one on my wish list. I think it was it was gifted to me on uh, one of our random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've added a few more to my wish list, and I'm definitely going to acquire them because um, they're just brilliant. For if you're feeling a little bit, I don't really know what to read. Like any any of these books, I feel like I've, I've been going to like your Emily Henrys, your Coho's, your TJLs, like the, yeah this is if i'm a bit like mm, i don't know what i fancy i know that i'm going to enjoy these right um so on to my next one which is verity so these are all sort of i guess they fall into chick lit category um coho is very much a 
romance author who dabbles in some pretty serious other stuff so this is um yeah <laughs> this is more of a i would say this is more of a thriller uh than anything right. else um it's it's pretty dark and sadistic at times um i it's really hard to talk about thrillers without giving anything away but it's about a struggling author who goes to help another author who's been in an accident and can't finish her series uh, of books uh, and the the husband is helping recruit this ghostwriter if you will to um, finish this, this series of books and every everyone's a bit weird <laughs> okay <laughs> um i'd be really interested to see what you make of of this so i was meant to read this with uh, a bunch of, of girls um from instagram and i got impatient and read it before the buddy read was due to start yeah um and i'm kind of glad that i did because i was like a fly on the wall in their little like conversation of what was what was going on um like what they were thinking as they were going through yeah. it and i think most people were like it's it's a page turner do not get me wrong like this is a page turner you have to keep reading you need to find out mm-hmm. what the hell is going on but they were bringing up certain things in that conversation that i hadn't particularly picked up on reading it on my own right. um i was just sort of blissfully like breezing through it or well, not breezing through it because it was it's dark like i say um but yeah i think that can be a problem with buddy reads like you can get influenced by what other people think yeah um so i'm not saying that any of the girls were were wrong but uh yeah i i enjoyed this one i think more because i read it on my own okay um, i wasn't <laughs> influenced by what other people thought right um yeah there's definitely some sort of bits that i'm still very much left wondering about it's it's not a tied up in a bow situation and the characters i didn't like (laughs) i also said in my review didn't i that i cannot fight the the sort of love interest is jeremy yeah (laughs) and i just can't can't find a jeremy sexy so i this was not a romance read for me there's some slightly awkward sex scenes but right. a bit of that old awkward spice again awkward spice we've uh, talked about in the past <laughs> that sounds um, like it might be my gateway to be to a coho book if it's a bit sadistic <laughs> I, think, I think if you're gonna like any of them it's probably that one um but also you probably would hate it <laughs> okay because there's yeah so like a major a major plot point is probably a big spoiler alert uh and but also a trigger warning that you probably wouldn't get on with very well okay i mean i'm going to do it i'm going to read a coho book because i can't bear to feel left out of things more than anything sure sure okay maybe this is the one I think I think it's sadistic. I think either this or Layla, which was the paranormal weird one that I yeah. read. Um, that's not sadistic. That's just a bit paranormal. Um, 
so yeah i'd be interested to know okay. what you think very okay. interested i'll put it on my list and then my final um chiclety type number is the new book by emily henry which is book lovers and so i've i've read uh beach read and you and me on vacation over the last few months and really enjoyed her writing the two quotes on the front of this book are by taylor jenkins reed and colleen hoover so that ties in (laughs) quite nicely doesn't it um yeah taylor jenkins reed said emily henry never fails to deliver but this may be her best yet Uh, and colleen hoover says one of my favorite authors um Mm -hmm. and do you know what i agree I really, really liked this one. It's definitely my favourite out of the the three that I've uh, read by her so far. It's it is a super easy read, but they're it's well written. They're like well fleshed out characters, really likable. I felt like it was a proper comfort read for me, and anything written by her, I feel like is going to be a proper good comfort read. Like. I know that I'll pick up a book by her and really enjoy myself, enjoy yeah. my reading experience. This one I thought was a lot funnier than the other book. I I don't often laugh out loud when I'm reading books. I'm quite hard to impress in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find myself chuckling along to this one. It really got me. Um, so it's... Uh, I. I also quite like the fact that it sort of takes the piss out of the book industry because right. it's about um, Nora, the main character, is a, a high-flying literary agent in New York um, and then Charlie is an editor and they are enemies, in inverted commas. Right. It's the, the old uh, enemies to lovers trope. They're really not enemies at all. They had, like, one business meeting together where they like they didn't not get on but they weren't friends and then they meet each other later down the line and turns out they get on really well spoiler alert okay (laughs) but um yeah but they were both they were both really great characters i really enjoyed really enjoyed that um and that yeah the kind of self-awareness of the book and publishing industry at large i really enjoyed um but yeah it was a a good a good romance novel that doesn't take itself too seriously um yeah and like it talks about all the romance novel tropes and stuff like that so yeah i think okay. it is that self-awareness that won me over in particular right. with it um and also i blimmin' love all of the covers of these the uk covers are really really beautiful and they all go together really well I was just um, going to say so, that the covers of them are so fun. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They they're like smiley covers. So whoever designs the covers, well done. You did a fabulous job at conveying the vibes of the book. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that one. There you go. Whiz through those. Yeah, back to back chick lit. And I Absolutely. guess I don't know whether this next one counts as chick lit. I guess it's chiclet with a with an added layer and yeah. this one we've both read and it is um imposter syndrome by kathy wang we were gifted this by verve book 
weeks, I think yes, it was. Yes, we were, yeah. Um, and it is chiclet slash mystery thriller women in tech satire kind of satire yeah um <laughs> everything basically all in a yeah. little bright orange book um so yeah i'll julia lerner is one of the main characters she's the coo of tangerine which is um uh it's not a very thinly veiled um <laughs> This is a Silicon Valley company which potentially may well have similarities to another fruit named um, yes. company. Potentially. Um, she's also a Russian spy. She so, is, yeah. Um, already we've got a little bit of danger and maybe a little bit of current affairs, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I, I did feel a little bit weirdly awkward about that, but. Yeah. I... Yeah, me too. What um. <laughs> But so she uses her position within this um, massive Silicon Valley company to funnel information back to Russia's intelligence agency. Um, there is, of course, for every baddie, there is a goodie. And Alice Liu is our, I guess, she's not really the protagonist. I would have said that Julia was the protagonist. Yeah. But Alice is the kind of good guy, good girl, who... It cottons on quite quickly to the fact that there are things happening within the company that shouldn't be and people are accessing information that they shouldn't be accessing um, and she kind of starts to to dig into a, into it a little bit um, and and decide whether or not she's going to to tell anybody I guess yeah I really enjoyed it I was yeah I did I wasn't expect not that I wasn't expecting to, but like when we've said the the way we've described it is kind of a mishmash of everything. Yeah. Um. But it was actually really quite interesting and yeah. Funny and scary <laughs> at times. Yeah. Um, the yeah, idea I of like... how much information they can get and keep and yeah and give i was absolutely yeah, I, petrified at times i think it's um i think sometimes it's better off not to know isn't it because yeah the amount of information that anyone with any ounce of knowledge can just yep. access about you it is it is mad um yeah but i really i i've not really read much satire but I do enjoy it. I think it, again, it's just that having that uh, t slightly tongue-in-cheek approach to current yeah. affairs, um, which is pretty much the only way that I think I can get through life at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, everything is so depressing. Yeah, You've got to have really a little is. bit of humour about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I've not watched Killing Eve, but some people had compared this to having some Killing Eve vibes yeah. as well, um, which I can, uh, fr from knowing slightly what the Killing Eve's about, I can see how the parallels have been drawn. Yeah. Um, the thing that I liked, which I was kind of surprised about, was the uh, the way that Julia's character developed and. Yeah how she almost felt 
or she felt very hard done by, didn't she? That everything that she'd earned was essentially going to be taken away from her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt sorry for her, which is pretty impressive given that she's a Russian spy intent yeah. on taking down one of the biggest countries in the world. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing. It's literally, she's on the back of the book. She's described as a Russian spy. There is yeah. no part of me that would have thought going into this book that by the end of it, I would have been rooting for the Russian spy. Yeah. And I was. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a real little treat. I, I hadn't heard of it, seen it, and I, and I haven't seen very much of it on Bookstagram. And I, I think it's great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as well. I think if you're uh, tech averse, then maybe it wouldn't. Maybe you'd find it a bit boring. But I, I found it. I really enjoy anything like social network esque and that kind yeah. of thing. I, I, I find it scary but fascinating, and I want to know more. But I also don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading it i probably wouldn't have picked it up as well yeah. so i'm really glad that they sent it uh and i would encourage more people to pick it up yeah um if you see it because yeah i thought it was well written and yeah enjoyed yeah. A, an enjoyable little romp yeah there's in- interesting themes of like women in the workplace as well which i thought was yeah interesting I, like when i'm thinking about it now any of the main male characters within the book weren't necessarily kind of big powerful figures yeah it was the women who were kind of girl bosses yeah. and yeah and i thought that was a really nice slant yeah. to come from um, and the themes of um identity uh, that women in the workplace like the problems yeah. that women can uh face in the workplace as well yeah. that was uh yeah, I thought it was really well tackled. Brings me very nicely <laughs> onto my next book. Yes, <laughs> almost like we planned um, it. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it. Um, so this this is one where I feel like, um, you know, I talked about Invisible Women. I loved it, found it absolutely terrifying and fascinating. And there were so many things that I wanted to talk about to do with it. Yeah. This is in the same vein. So okay. this is The Authority Gap by Mary Ann Seacott. I'm not entirely sure if I'm pronouncing that right, so I do apologise if that's wrong. Um, but we, uh, I was sent this uh, again by uh, Penguin, um, who thought I might like it, and they were right. Um, it's a bit more niche than invisible women in that it really is honing in on the uh women in the workplace aspect um and that she into it's it's basically told through a almost like a series of interviews that she pieces pieces together with um so the, the interviews include baroness hale mary beard bernadine evaristo um dolly alderton loads of people with really interesting and varied insight into being a woman in the workplace right um so it's something that i don't necessarily come across all that much given that i work in the creative arts um 
but I can imagine in the world of business the gender gap is well it still looms large lots of things have improved um but this book basically outlines what still can still needs to be done and what can be done to do it she like at the end she literally pretty much gives a list of the things that uh need that we can do in our in our everyday life what can teachers do for example that right. there's a little chapter to set out um because it's it's mad like the s- statistics that she comes out with about how like parents will automatically sort of uh put their son's iq at that much higher than their daughter's iq right which is just like you you wouldn't think that that would happen in yeah, it's this day and age but, from but the, yeah yeah so it there was so much stuff that i hadn't thought of it it was just so well researched i think that was the thing that i took away from it was that i had learned a lot of facts uh, that can't <laughs> right. like that can't be argued with do you know like yeah. it's one of those where she she sets out her manifesto if you will mm-hmm. um and then says like these are the things um, it was also quite funny. Um, so it, despite it being like really uh, fact heavy, she says it with a, an amount of levity and also mm. a realism as well. Like she knows that it's not going to change overnight. So yeah, it was really well written. I I think if if you liked Invisible Women you will also like this um it's just a slightly different avenue and yeah it hones in on like the um that particular branch of uh gender dynamics yeah it was it was yeah great really interesting and um i'm very glad that they sent it over so thanks guys nice it sounds really interesting i am definitely going to pick up a copy of it because i love facts and all of those things (laughs) there was a lot of facts okay so my last one and the last one for this episode is another non-fiction book another one which was gifted to both of us um rhiannon Mm -hmm. hasn't got around to reading it yet but i can give her a little heads up now yes um this is the sunny nihilist by wendy seifert seifert s-y-f-r-e-t um and it is how a meaningless life can make you truly happy. Um, so I guess it's self-help adjacent, this one. Sure. But also um, a little look into the concept of nihilism and how a, it's been a previously kind of viewed as depressing view on life. And how actually in this day and age of all of the doom and gloom that we have everywhere around us, that attaching a little bit less meaning to things might actually be a bit freeing. Yeah. Um, and it's a concept, not that I hadn't ever considered before, but I think I hadn't ever been able to put words to it. And she sure. does it very well. So it's a short little book, less than 170 pages. Um, not super short chapters, but easy to read. Um, 
it's not very fact heavy it's it's more of an exploration and a kind of almost a discussion um so she basically it says on the back in an era defined by stress and selfishness embracing the void can offer sweet relief it's a balm for the soul of burnt out millennials which i definitely connected with that aspect of it um one of the chapters particularly talks about um work workplace stress and the meaning that people of our generation have kind of been conditioned to put upon work and what we do for those eight ten twelve hours of the day um she talks a lot about how people of the of the generations before us we're both in our early 30s so i guess we class as millennials the people of our parents' generations, the idea of what is the meaning of life seemed to be a little bit more straightforward and certainly easier to achieve those goals of buy a house, get a mortgage, get a degree and go to work for that degree. Um, There seems to be almost too much choice, too many options and too much meaning placed upon all of those things to the point that people of our generation kind of just can't make any of those choices sometimes um it was a really interesting read particularly she i think it was maybe written during or just after the pandemic kind of proper that big lockdown yeah in which there did seem to be that shift in what people found meaning in yeah. The people who had previously spent an hour and a half on a commute to a job where they worked for maybe not so much appreciation to come back home to be too tired to do anything they actually enjoyed. Um, suddenly having all of this time to put their energy into other more meaningful things. Sure. Um, it's so hard to explain it. But I think the title is is perfect. Nihilism, I think, was always considered this miserable, oh, well, what's the point? Woe is me. We might as well all die. And looking at it from a positive perspective, I think, is really an interesting way to go. Um, And she touches almost as well upon, I know we briefly skirted around it, but the idea of that dark humour that... I think is almost ingrained in our generation to be able to be like and the memes of oh well just kill me those kind of like you don't yeah. mean it obviously it's yeah, a joke yeah, yeah. but you've just acknowledged that everything is so horrible in the world right now everything is on fire everybody is killing each other yeah <laughs> what is the yeah. point um yeah we're almost all born nihilists within our generation and this is a way of looking at it positively i thought it was a really interesting fun little read um and i'm excited for you to read it as well yeah it's on my it came out of my tbr jar so i i'm reading it this month um yeah so yeah that's hopefully in the next few days or so i will smash through it that's my plan um, well, but yeah, you'll smash when, through it very quickly. Yeah, when she messaged us about it, I was like, "This sounds like a really interesting concept," which is why I said, "Yeah, I definitely, I think we both find that a really interesting book to to read yeah. about." Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
good yeah you've made me excited <laughs> yay okay um i think we're done then that's it uh so next time will be a our featured read and yeah it'll be good fun hopefully <laughs> Yeah, neither of us can remember be. exactly what it's called because it's yeah. a super it's long, long, complicated. You made title. a fool. You made a fool of death with your, your beauty. beauty. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Exactly. It's very long. Yeah. But anyway, hopefully it will be good. Yes. So hopefully it will be worth the having to say a really long book title. <laughs> Fab. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, we will speak at you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls, One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all, all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls, One Book Pod. So come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.